0: Hey, everybody. Sorry, Lindsay, you had to use my podium. I apologize for that. I take, uh, I take full responsibility. Um, you know, we might think this happened last week, and um, I'm so thankful to the Lord. You might think that Lindsay or the, the pastors planned out this testimony for what I'm going to be talking on tonight, um, but it's not so. Uh, Lindsay uh, approached me about what uh, the Lord had put on her heart. Um, Didn't know what we were talking about, what we planned to preach on these next two Sundays um, about us being God's temple. Um, And we intended to do that specifically as we move into this new building. um, Because this building is not his church. Um, It's not his temple as we just read in 1 Corinthians 3. We together, those who have entrusted their life to Jesus, have been saved, washed, cleaned, and made one new people we are the temple of the living God. So the plan, the agenda for tonight, if I can submit it to you, um, is we're going to look at what is the temple through scripture. We're going to do a quick run through from beginning to end, and it's going to be quicker than it should be, but we need, we don't have enough time. And we're going to look at what is the temple? What is this thing called the temple? So we know we're just placed into 1 Corinthians 3. We know what we're talking about when Paul tells these believers, this group of people that are now followers of Jesus, that they're the temple of the living God. So we're going to look at that. Um, we have a somewhat of a, I think, a prophetic word for Hope Church, and I, I don't believe anybody in this room um, this morning. Uh, and then we're going to have a time of response. And as we've been praying over. Uh, these, these next two weeks, and even just being in this building, um, what weighs on my heart so strongly is that what we need and what you need is not to hear some good music and to hear me talk to you or talk at you. What we need is to hear from God and to respond to him. So that's where we're going, just to prepare you. We're going to a place of response where we're going to invite the Lord to speak into our lives and to open ourselves up to him with vulnerability But knowing and believing that he is good and his love always endures for us. And we are going to take the next step, open ourselves up, and to respond to him and what he's speaking. So, is that okay? I'm going to do it anyways. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to do it. Um, First, we're going to pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, for the word that we've already heard. Um, Thank you for your presence here. Thank you that we get to sing to you because you have made us your own and you have bought us with a price. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us and to restore us. Holy Spirit, invite you to speak and only you to speak this morning. And we just invite you, God, to do what you want to do in this place. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this beautiful story that you're writing. You open our hearts and our minds to it right now. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so from beginning to end of Scripture, where God takes up residence on earth is central to the whole story. It's at the beginning, and it's at the end. And where we need to do is place ourselves within that story. If we don't know what story we're living in, we won't know how to live. But to place ourselves within this story and to understand what this temple imagery means to this morning we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about what it means. and the next week we're going to talk about God's house, to be a house of prayer. And these things temple, house, building there's these analogies these places where God's presence dwells. Because a tent is just a tent, and a building's just a building until God's presence makes its home there, then it becomes a tabernacle and then it becomes a temple. And then Paul is telling these people, and he's telling us, followers of Jesus, in 2023 in Houston, Texas, that we are the temple of the living God. There's a quote by a scholar named Robert Jamison. He simply says, the temple, as the name means from the Greek root to dwell, was the earthly dwelling place of God, where alone he put his name. Just the dwelling place of God. He has always wanted to dwell on earth and make his presence and his glory known on earth. It was the beginning of the story. It's the end of the story. He's always wanted to. So we're going to do five quick stops. They're going to be quicker than they should be. You can put it up on the next slide. Five quick stops um, of where God has made his dwelling place in Eden, a tabernacle and a temple, then the Messiah, then followers of Jesus. And then we're going to look at the new Jerusalem. So real quick, we're going to go to Genesis 2. Verses 8 and 9, we're going to be on the screen, so I won't make you jump around too much. But it says, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God made, made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the middle of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. evil. And then moving down to verse 15, it says, The Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work and to keep it. So what we see here, the beginning of the story, God creates the heavens and the earth. And then if you catch it, he said there's a place called Eden. Eden in Hebrew just means delight. So there's just this place called delight. But then within delight, he places a garden. And then within the middle of the garden, he places the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then... He puts man and woman in the Garden of Eden to work and to keep it. This is the the intended design God had for humanity. And Lindsay already teed it up. She already talked about it. We're to be the temple. We're to live in the presence of God because God made his presence that he walked in the garden in the cool of the day, but also to be priests. This imagery of to work and to keep it that Adam and Eve were to mediate the glory of God, the glory of this creator, into the whole earth. And the intent was they would take Eden, the goodness of God, and cultivate it throughout the entire earth. There's a word that I love. um, It's a weird word, so I like to say it. It's called viceroy. I love the definition of this. A ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. A ruler exercising authority in a colony on behalf of a sovereign. So on behalf of God, the image of God will make them in our image. Man and woman will make them. So he made them in his image. He put them in the garden. And they were to be partners or priests, taking the goodness of God throughout the entire earth. But if you know the story, you know that's not how it goes. It didn't happen. Because Adam and Eve decided that they would take the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and rule in their own wisdom, rule on what they think is right. And we are living in the results of that today. We're living where people have taken charge because we were made to live and to take charge, but it's been twisted by sin and all that God gives us to steward, we turn back to our own evil purposes and we see death and destruction. We see violence and we see everything that we see today. There is no one, Christian or otherwise, that don't, don't see the effects of the fall that happened. And so, moving quickly, we move out of, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. They're kicked out of Eden, Adam and Eve. And along the story, God chooses a people to again restore the, the, the intended design of human beings. He, he grabs a guy named Abraham, and he makes a people, the Israelite people, the Jewish nation. And when he pulls them out of slavery in Egypt, he does something super interesting. He, he and gives them designs to build a structure called a temple. But first, it was a tabernacle. It's almost a mobile temple. It was a tent. But he gave them explicit instructions on how to build this tent. And then later, when they came into the land God promised them, he built, he instructed them to build a brick and mortar, a permanent structure that's not going anywhere, and had the same purpose and the same designs. So it's really interesting. We're going to put up a picture of a a recreation of what um, that structure might look like, might have looked like on the inside. There's Un- unbelievable connections to the Garden of Eden. First, the sanctuary was entered from the east. Eden was entered from the east. When Adam and Eve were kicked out, it was guarded by cherubim. And in the center that you'll see at the end of the, that, that uh, hallway, there's guarded the representation of cherubim guarding. And then the, the menorah symbolizing the tree of life. And if you can see on the walls, it's garden imagery all throughout the holy place and the holy of holies. So it's this imagery of Eden. And then when he appointed priests to keep the temple, it uses the same words that he gave Adam and Eve to work and keep the garden. They were given the temple to work and keep the temple. It was built with gold and onyx. It's exactly what God says in Genesis 2 that the garden of Eden had was full of gold and onyx. All of this imagery meant to point the Israelite people back to what God intended, that man and woman would be with God and would rule on his behalf, would partner with him in bringing goodness into creation. But we know, most of us, that story goes on and it does not go the way of goodness and cultivation of what God wants. Israel fails Idols fill the temple, and eventually that temple is destroyed. And then they rebuild it again later on, but the the temple never had its intended purpose. Before the temple was built, David, the line of the Messiah, had it in his heart to build the temple, but God stopped him. And I just want to read what God said to him when he stopped him. It's in 1 Chronicles 17. It's on the screen, so don't worry about it. 1 Chronicles 17 He's telling David, who intended to build the temple, no, 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 don't build it. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up for your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son I will not take my steadfast love from him as I took it from him who is before you, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever, and his throne shall be established forever. And what's interesting is David's son Solomon does build the temple, but his kingdom doesn't last. Solomon gives in to idols. Solomon fails to be that representative. And the temple is later destroyed, and that temple doesn't exist anymore. And so this is pointing to something greater. It's pointing to what Isaiah would say of the Messiah, of his government and of peace. There will be no end. Our hope wasn't in King David, and our hope's not in King Solomon to build the temple. It says, I will point one after you, the Messiah, to build a house. And so we fast forward through all the failures of the Israelite people, to be these priests and to be able to dwell with God, Jesus of Nazareth steps on the scene. And John records it. In the word, God became flesh and tabernacled among us. God made his presence again with the people of Israel and on the earth. And next week, we're going to talk about Jesus goes into the temple where they're selling, where they made the temple a marketplace instead of what is intended to be a house of prayer. And he drives the idolatry out. And they say to him, and Jesus said to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jew says, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you'll raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Jesus' mission in his death, in his resurrection, to restore the presence of God on earth through us, through building the temple, which is his body, and then he associates us, his followers, that we are that same body, we are his body, we are now the host of God's presence here on earth. And I just wanna say, if you have never trusted in God before, if you're, this Christianity thing is new to you, I just wanna say, this, what, what God offers is not for bad people to be a little bit better or for morality to increase a little bit in your life. He is offering restoration into your intended design. He's offering restoration to be able to walk and know God, to know the God of love, to be restored back into the image that he intended for us and to take our rights as sons and daughters of the king of the universe and to bring his goodness into the world and to destroy the kingdom of darkness that has taken up residence in our earth. That is our calling. And when we are told that it is something less than that, the vision that God gives us or the vision that gets tainted, we don't pursue God in the way that we should because we're being told something lesser than what we have been invited into and what Jesus died to bring, his glory back into the earth through restored men and women who have been forgiven of their sins because we are all guilty. We're the same place. No matter where we are, no matter what you've done, we're in the same exact place. We have fallen short of the glory of God. We have fallen short of the glory of God and he intended us to reflect his glory. In every other temple, this is beautifully pointed out to the, by the late Tim, Tim Keller, in every other temple there were sacrifices offered to God. But when Jesus steps on the scene, he offers himself as a sacrifice, God himself, the lamb, to shed blood, to forgive us of for our sins, and to restore us back to what we were created to be. This world labels us with so many things, and even if we try to hide it and push it down, We have these labels of all of our failures, where we're called adulterer, thief, murderer, failure, whatever it is. God wants to give us a new name. That new name is beloved. And all we do is come to Jesus. He wants to restore us and let us know that we are loved and we have meaning. This life is not what the world tells us it is a meaningless trek where we have no purpose and this universe will one day be cold and dead. No, we have beautiful purpose and intent because the story goes on. story goes on to 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Paul finds these, these believers in Corinth and he's actually bringing some rebuke to them. And the way he goes about it is he speaks into their identity and the way that they're living, they're, they're living with in divisiveness and breaking up the community of Jesus and he says don't you know don't you know that you're God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you if anyone destroys God's temple God will destroy him God's temple is holy and you are that temple he uses this language at least 3 times to the Corinthian church when they're going the wrong way he starts with not don't do that thing you're doing or change this. He starts with, don't you know? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know that you're the house of God? You're the building of God? You're the place where he has decided to put his presence? Don't you know that's who you are? I want to put up a picture of the temple in Jesus' day, then overhead. I know it's a little bit hard to see, but um, In there, you've got the court of the Gentiles. This is what Jesus grew up with. And then you've got the court of the women. Um, And then you've got the yellow place is the the holy place and the holy of holies. When Paul uses this language in 1 Corinthians 3, the word he uses for temple, there are two different words. One can mean the temple proper, that whole thing. One can mean the sanctuary. And he uses the word sanctuary. He uses the word temple to be sanctuary. Pointing to God's presence being there. And I think it's so cool in Galatians 3.28, which I'll put on the screen, it says, there is now neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave nor free, no male, no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. No court of the Gentiles, no court of the women, all one new people located the sanctuary of God. But even more than that, we, as we're gathered, as Lindsay said, are the sanctuary of God, the place where his presence dwells. Intending to mediate that into our city and into our world, that's the calling that he has on us. And my hope and my desire, even this morning and moving forward, is that God would allow us to receive that a little bit more. To go to the end of the story, and we won't spend a lot of time on this, we've got, right now, we've placed ourselves here. In Eden, that was intended. It's all been broken down. Jesus came to restore. But even now, where we're at, where we are the presence of God, we are the outposts of heaven here on earth. God is moving it forward to a day that we can expect and it is our hope. It's Revelation 21, verses one through three. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away or the depiction of what the city would look like. It was a perfect cube. It was huge, but it was a perfect cube. The only other perfect cube structure in the scriptures uh, is the Holy of Holies, is a place where God placed his presence. So he's saying this imagery, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. The whole earth will be his presence. There will no longer be outposts. The glory of God will cover the earth like the water covers the sea. That's what we're looking forward to, and that's our future. So what? (laughs) We we are stepping into tomorrow, Monday, some of us are going to be swimming in spreadsheets. Some, uh, Some of us are going to be changing diapers. Some of us are going to be trying to teach kids math that we don't even understand. So we have to understand this is a grand vision, but this is the true story. Our world is set up by our enemy to suck the sacred out of our lives, to tell us this is not the true story. What the true story is, is what I'm feeling on this Monday morning as I try to get up the energy to do my work. What I'm feeling is the true story. This world is designed to distract us and to keep us distracted And then as we're distracted and we feel the weight of the world, we feel like we were intended for more and we're not experiencing it. Then it offers things for us to numb ourselves. We're distracted, we're distracted, we're distracted. We feel the weight of the more that God intends for us, the life that he wants for us. And then the world offers us things to numb ourselves. Some of those could be destructive addiction. Some can be as simple as scrolling through social media, but they are offered to us readily. And what we have to do and what we need to do is things like this, coming here on Sunday, something so simple, seemingly so small, we have to remind ourselves that this is the true story. But what else do we do? I feel like um, this morning is is a moment for us to respond to God and to recognize this truth. Whether I feel it or not, I'm the temple of the living God. That's what He says of me. In the place where He has chosen to put His Spirit. For all of those who have put our trust in Jesus, received His forgiveness, and have trusted Him as Lord, we are the place where the Spirit of God dwells. So, what is our response? I believe that there is uh, a prophetic word for hope in this season in particular. And it's connected to the new building, but it's not about the new building. I think he's just using it for us. It's been my sense in reading actually this exact scripture and then um, other people that have sent it to me separately. Um, As we've been reading through Isaiah 40, praying through Isaiah 40 in our discipleship groups, there's some three verses pointing to John the Baptist verse three through five of Isaiah 40, it says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the deserts a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain hill made low. Rough ground shall become level. Rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. I think his word for us in this season Hope Church and anyone in this room is to prepare the way of the Lord. What does it look like? What have we placed up in our lives or what have we allowed in our lives as blocking the way for God to fill us to the full? He wants, feel so strongly, he wants to do a new thing in us as a body to fill us to the full, to do all that he wants to do in us. But will we let him? Will we prepare the way for him? Will we prepare the way? I think one place to start is to understand this is his house. We are his house. We belong to him. To believe that and to live accordingly. My wife, my wonderful wife, Kara, brought me into our downstairs bathroom this week. Apparently, we're painting that bathroom, or I'm probably painting that bathroom. And uh, she had three color swatches up on the wall, three shades of green, and she brought me into the bathroom. And if you're married, um, you know what this is. One might think it's a place and a time for me to give my opinion of which color I would prefer. This is a multiple choice test, is what this is, OK? You know how this works. It's a multiple-choice test, and I'm happy to report that I passed the test. I picked the correct shade of green. The correct shade of green being the one my wife had decided to paint the bathroom in. And you know why that's appropriate? It's because it's her house. I just live there. But it is her house, so it's appropriate for her to change the color or to move that picture over there to tear down that wall. And I believe the Lord has a word for us that we are his house. Us together, the church, Hope Church, those who have trusted in Jesus, we're his house. We just live here, but we are his house. And First, we must believe that he is the same God who died for us, who bled on the cross who gave his body to be broken, his blood to be shed to restore us. He is good. He is good. And so to recognize that we are his house, we can trust him. It matters what happens to my house where I live, in my wife's house. It matters what happens, but we have to trust the Lord is good and he loves us or we won't let him in. Throughout the Old Testament, um, God never brought correction to other nations for having idols, that was normal. He did bring correction after correction after correction of his own people bringing idols into his house, into his people. Second Corinthians six, Paul continues, What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are that temple, the temple of the living God. God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And Paul, hear hear him say to these Corinthians, since we have these promises, since God has promised to walk among us, since he's promised to fill us, since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit. Bring holiness to the completion in the fear of God. He has more for us. And his plans are really good. But we do have to trust him. And we do have to let him in. One of my favorite verses in the New Testament is found in James 4. And it continues with this theme. And James is bringing a pretty hard rebuke against this church that he's talking to. Pretty hard rebuke. And he says this, but I find so much encouragement in this, so much joy in this. Or do you suppose it is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us? He yearns jealously over the spirit he has made to dwell in us. And then it has this wonderful phrase that I've clung on to for a long time in my life. But he gives more grace. But he gives more grace. How much grace does God have for us, for you in your specific situation? He has more. He always has more. Whatever it is, wherever we find ourselves, the world has beat us down. Others have wronged us. We have been brought low, like Lindsay said. Maybe our, our light is almost nearly extinguished. He has more grace for us. We've made a mess of things. We have placed idols in the house of God. We have put up other things as, a, as our God, really. The thing that we're hoping for, the thing that we're looking for, the thing that actually has our affections. Maybe I say it's Jesus, but really I know where my affection lies. He has more grace No matter where we find ourselves, he has more grace for us. But this grace is not unconditional. This grace is conditional. This is where an elder should pull me off the stage. Grace is not unconditional. We just keep reading. But he gives more grace, therefore it says... God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. The condition is simply humility. It's not cleaning ourselves up. It's not beating ourselves up for a number of days, and then God has grace for us. It's not accumulating works for Him, then He has more grace for us. Not just forgiveness not just grace for forgiveness. Yes, that. We need it. I need it. But grace for healing and life and restoration for whatever it is Satan and the world has brought down on our lives because he wants to restore us into the fullness, and not just for our sake. We've talked about it so that we can be that lighthouse. Lindsay talked about it so that our City and our world can feel it because we have had a flame renewed in us where we are burning brightly and the people that are in the cold can come and find warmth. That happens when we come to God with humility because when we come to God with humility, which will look like honesty and openness before him and others, when we come, we can expect, guarantee, lock it in to receive Abundant grace from God. When we come with humility, He is ready to pounce on us with grace. He is not the one that's withholding, He never is. He is ready to come with so much grace. Help from above, if that's helpful. Grace. Help from heaven. (laughs) From the one who holds all authority in the heavens and the earth, who is all powerful. Help from Him. Many times I think he's waiting for us to come with a a surrender and a humility so he can show us all that he wants to do in our lives and in our community. He's waiting for that surrender, but it can be and feel very scary. Revelation 3, another Jesus talking to a church. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone comes and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. What an amazing invitation. He wants intimacy with us. He wants to live life with us. He wants to heal us and restore us. But I do wonder that in our house, there may be, we hear that knock, but there's too many things in the house that keep us from even getting to the door. We're going to have the response time. We're going to ask, we're going to, we're going to be vulnerable with the Lord and ask is there anything there? Are there things there that I have put up as obstacles between all that you want to do in my life and what have I put up and what has the enemy put up? What has this world put up in my life? Maybe it's just a simple trust in other things my career, money, retirement, my status my image in front of others. It can be any of those things. It can be small and large. Before we came in here, one of us prayed, God, whether it's big and seems too insurmountable or it seems too small, let's bring it all to you. Let's surrender it all to you. Nothing's too big and nothing's too small. Because God's not just Nice. I have a high value for niceness. I couldn't live in New York. People are efficiency. Get it. Just don't don't be nice to me. Don't waste time being nice. Just get it done. I like nice. He's not just nice. He is the kindest person you have ever met. He is more kind. It will never exhaust the end of his kindness. And he's also not a disgruntled father disappointed with our lives. There are some books I just love the title to. One of those is by a guy named Brennan Manning. It's just called The Furious Longing of God. The Furious Longing of God. Do you think about God as one who longs for you, who desires your wholeness? He is relentlessly for our wholeness. He is relentlessly for his glory. There's a beautiful quote that says, The glory of God as a man or woman fully alive. He wants us fully alive. Jesus came to bring life and life abundant. And that on earth, us fully alive in him, is the glory of God. Daniel, I'm going to ask you to come up as we play a little music. Um, But this is the time to respond to him. This is going to be a time where we're just going to sit and we're going to ask him. We're going to open ourselves up to him, whatever he wants to say. Um, And it does take our willingness. It does take our willingness to open ourselves up because I believe he is doing a new thing in us, more than we could possibly imagine or hope. More than we could imagine. And I think it does take the simplicity of opening ourselves up to him. And I think it's important not to miss these moments. Um, it's a quote that I love, I'll butcher it, but that our moments, our days are made up of moments, and our weeks are made up of days and and then there's years, and by the end, we're done with our lives. So these moments are important. These moments matter. This week I, I'm, makes me sad, but I missed a moment. If I, this is a real story. Um, I um, was walking in to get some kolaches, and I saw this guy in crutches walking into uh, another sandwich shop. Um, I felt the Lord said, I want you to pray for him, pray for healing. So I followed him. Again, like a creepy guy, followed him. And I opened the door for him because he was trying to get in the door. I felt like God wanted me to pray for him. But these doubts came into my mind. Fear came into my mind. And I let the moment pass. And he walked in and he closed the door and then he locked it behind himself because the store wasn't open. He was the manager. And he disappeared in the back. God doesn't remove his love for me for that. He loves me still. He's going to give me more opportunities but I really wish I hadn't missed that moment. I really wish I hadn't missed it. And so whatever he's calling you into this time tonight, I just invite us not to, not to miss the moment and to be able, as we pray, to listen to him. And I don't know how, how long it's been, but to be really, really vulnerable with him and ask him, what is it, God? Not everything. He's kind. He's so kind. He'll walk with us through this. After we spend this time where we're going to be in silence, praying here with our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to have people at the front. When the song starts, we're going to have people at the front. Men and women will be at the front. Um, I think it's a really important thing. If God is calling you to respond in that way, there is so much power in coming up to getting prayer with someone else if God is inviting you, if he's speaking to you on something, come up. You don't even need to know the person. Come up and just, you don't even have to give a prayer request if you don't want to. Just say, I need prayer. God is at work in those. If you don't mind, go ahead and close your eyes, bow your heads. I'm not going to ask you to respond with hand raises or anything like that. I'm going to ask you to respond to God. I just first want you to receive if you've trusted in Jesus to be your life and your hope and your forgiveness I just want you to take a moment and let receive the love of God for you nothing else other than that in this moment ask him help me to receive your love in this moment Help me to see a greater glimpse, just a little bit more, of how great your love is for me, how deep it goes. I just want to share this as well the lord put this on my heart early this week after my discipleship group i came from the hallway into this room to pray no one else was in the building and the sanctuary where, where we're sitting right now was dark it was really dark and i walked from the light into the sanctuary and i started walking around praying and it was very uncomfortable because i couldn't see a thing and i kept knocking my shins into, into chairs and stumbling around. But uh, after about 10, 15 minutes, my eyes started to adjust and um, I could see in the dark and it wasn't that uncomfortable um, because I had adjusted and it became normal for me. I just feel like the Lord is speaking that um, for those of us that are his children, his sons and daughters, the darkness is not normal. And if there's any hiddenness in us or anything that um, we feel like we have kept and it was uncomfortable at first, but it started to get a little bit normal. Our eyes have adjusted. We were meant to walk in the light as children of light and God has promises for that. We step into the light that his blood covers us and we're forgiven. And also we have fellowship with one another It's life and it's freedom. He wants that for us. If he's calling you to step in the light in certain ways, let's do that tonight. The other thing we want to ask them, Him, in this moment, and again, just allow ourselves to be present to Him in this place. His Spirit is here, and He wants to speak to us. He's He's for us. He He is so for us. This may seem a little weird, but God put put the song in my in my head. Um, I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. All off, I can see all obstacles in my way. May the Lord is. Maybe we ask him, will you clear away all the fog, all the rain? Will you show me any obstacles in the way? Will you show me any obstacles in your way, in my way, from all that you wanna do? I feel like you want to restore in this room tonight the belief that you are good and you have good things for us. To restore in this room that we can trust you. We can trust you. Whatever it is, we can trust you. Father, that you are our God. You're the God who longs to heal and restore, to build us up, to make us a light on a hill, a lamp on a stand. You fan those fires, make them set ablaze with love and affection for you, Jesus, that you would be our one thing you would be first in our hearts, that you would have all of our affection, you would have all of our devotion, and we would know what it means to live life and life abundant with you here and now.
1: Jesus, bring new life out of me In the crushing, in the pressing You are making I new new fire today, cause where there is new way, there is new power, there is new freedom,
2: of it all, that He can do whatever He wants in us, that He is worthy and it's for His glory that we want Him to move. Let's sing this out together.
1: You're worthy of it all You're worthy of it all Jesus For from you are all things and to you are all things You deserve the glory. Sing it out. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you are all things. And to you are all things. You deserve the glory. The glory, Let's sing day and night, let incense arise. Day and night, not in day, let incense arise. Day and night, not in day, let incense arise. Day and night, night and day, let incense arise. Day and night, not in day. Let so rise day and night night and day let so rise day and night night and day let and since rise day and night night and day let so rise day and night night and day To you are all things You deserve the glory One more time, let's sing it, he's worthy You're worthy of it all You're worthy of it all For from you are all things And to you are all things You deserve the glory.
2: You deserve it all, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your presence in our lives, and specifically just for this morning, God. I've just felt you so near. God, I just pray that you would um, just move in our hearts, that you would continue to surrender us, and that we would walk in humility with you, Jesus, and it's only by your spirit that we can do that. So do we be a humble people coming before the throne of Jesus, asking for your grace and receiving it, because you love us, and you're knocking on the door. Um, And so, Lord, I just i am so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your spirit. I'm grateful for Hope Church, um, and that we um, are your temple, and that you get to dwell in us, and that we get to receive that beautiful glory and gift. And so we love you, and we trust you, and we worship you, Jesus. It's in your holy name we pray, amen. All right, Hope family, we will see you next week. We love you so much.